Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast. My name is Jeremy. And my name is Kevin. And this is the first week in which Shonen Jump as a weekly English magazine does not exist, so we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants. Yeah. Today is, in fact, the day that Viz.com released their new Shonen Jump, so things are still a little bit buggy isn't the right word, but it feels like it's not implemented correctly, like they didn't hit their own deadlines. I think, like, they got all their chapters up. It was just some of the features aren't up. So, like, at the very least, I was able to read all the current chapters that would have been released in the Shonen Jump magazine. Same here. So... There was just some issues with, like, stuff not being exactly where I thought it would. Initially, when I started looking into it, they, like, didn't have a good way of finding the new chapters. They added that in a couple hours later, so clearly they're working on it. Yeah, they just, they had no way to purchase a subscription when I was trying. That seems to have been fixed now. I just got it done. But as this, part of the goal of this podcast was to support English manga, and the fact that they didn't have a way to pay for it is kind of, I think, a big indicator of where they were prep-wise. I wonder what happened with that, because they had been talking about the subscription for forever, and obviously my subscription immediately grandfathered over. I'm covered until, like, June of next year. That's when I had renewed my Shonen Jump subscription. So I'm going to be covered until that is done, and then I'm going to switch to the $2 a month. All right, so everything we talk about today before we get to Attack on Titan, which is the volume we read for this week, is going to be available for free on viz.com. You just click on Shonen Jump and you should be able to find everything. Yeah, the website's still a little stuff is shifting around, but by the time you listen to this, hopefully everything should be very easy to navigate. They've been adding a ton of cool features like a release calendar. Even the first time I had looked at it, they hadn't had a latest Shonen Jump chapters, and then they did the second time, so... Also, they have an updated reader. It's not quite as good as the Comixology one, but it's so much better than their old one. I really don't know what I would have done if I had to read this all on their old reader. It was absolute garbage. Yeah, and the app still works exactly like it did the last time, just not having the whole magazine at once. So this week, we only read stuff that we've been reading already. We didn't take any of the new weekly things because since they're still kind of up in the air, we weren't exactly sure what all was weekly, what was monthly, etc. We are actually going to be taking next week off because there's no way we can record the week of Christmas. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Yep. Happy Hanukkah. It's already over, I know. Or whatever else you celebrate. But we are going to be taking next week off. And we will come back the week after reading everything in Weekly Shonen Jump and a select couple of the monthly titles. I think we're going to read all the monthly titles like we talked about. We're just going to break them up over episodes and not do them all at once when they release. Yeah, because 10 chapters every four weeks will be really rough for that one podcast where it's just four, not four times, but almost twice as long. At least that segment will be twice as long. At 15 weekly, it's not something I'm sure we can do either because that's bigger than any of the weeks we've done so far. Yeah. We may choose to not do everything weekly and just stick to, because we'll have, if we're doing 15 weekly on top of two monthly, that'll be 17 chapters to yeah. go over every week. So we might skip some of the ones that maybe we don't particularly like. I mean, I am so ready to not read any more Yu-Gi-Oh! Arc 5. Yeah. But we'll see coming up, because I actually do really want to read Dragon Ball Super now that it's doing its own thing. Yeah. So we will see. But for now, 
we will start with the first thing, if you look on Viz's website, at least the first thing when I was looking, which is Ruby Chapter 2, which is another series I think we could probably lose without losing much. What do you think, Kevin? Did you like this chapter more than the last one? No. I really don't get who this is for. Be- I don't either. Because if you want to experience Ruby, the anime, if you want to call it that, is all available for free on Rooster Teeth and on YouTube. Yeah. And this is just a retelling of it. I did write down a joke where it would be really, really funny if when they get to where season two starts, if the art just gets way better. That would be really funny. But like you said, this is literally just a retelling. There aren't any new points being made. There's no interesting insights being added to the characters. It's like, oh, so this is almost like the storyboards for the episodes. And the art is still really bad. Yeah. In particular, the scene where they get all get launched off the cliff. I d- if I didn't know what was happening, I wouldn't, like, if I didn't know what had happened, I wouldn't know what was happening. It looks like maybe they jumped or maybe the cliff collapsed. Or there was just, like, a, or an earth shake and they fell. Yeah. It's, it's very ambiguous as to what happened. I noticed that in the first chapter, a lot of the action sequences almost get skipped over. Which is really bad because that's a lot of what made Ruby initially. Montione, the creator, was the motion capture artist. Or not. I, I feel like that's a fine term. Yeah, but it, he wasn't usually director? the director. Yeah, direct. I was. Yeah, he's not usually the dude in the mocap suit. He's the guy who animates based off the mocap and then helps direct them in the mocap. He would do some of the mocap work himself, but. So his big thing was the action sequences. Not that it's got a horrible storyline, even though Jeremy's not a huge fan of the story of Ruby. But the action sequences are what really makes it what it was. And they're skipping that in the manga. So it's just the story. The character designs, I think, are also really solid, but they're very inconsistent here. So that's not a huge draw either. Yeah. Honestly, their faces look different in, like, certain panels, and it's very weird. Like, I get, oh, they're not going to be drawn the same way every time. Like, they, when you animate the model, here's the model, and you just put it in different positions. But I feel like their faces sometimes look drastically different in certain panels. Maybe it's just the angle that they're being drawn at, but it just, it almost looked like somebody else. Yeah. Not to be too much of a downer, but most of the chapters this week I felt were pretty weak. Which brings us to yeah. the next thing on there, which is we never learn question 92. Sometimes a genius primes the pump for X. Which actually, we never learn. Also, not my favorite we never learn chapter. It's still pretty good, because we never learn is never bad. But this one didn't do as much for me as it usually does. It was still pretty funny, though. I liked this week's chapter. So picking up from where last week left off, Yu-Gi-Oh! is hypnotized basically and he wakes up and oh god is like oh my god i was just changing we didn't do anything don't worry about it yeah she was getting hot so she was like oh i just had to change clothes and i thought you were asleep yeah so she has hypnotized him so like he has to let her take care of him which is pretty funny and so we get lots of the kind of i don't want to say standard but the typical oh hey lay on my lap and he's like no i'm not gonna do that but then he's doing it yeah, she pets him's head, and she feeds him carrots, and she's like, "Oh, I used to have pet bunnies." 
Yeah, that was a really great joke because he's expecting her with the spoonful of soup, you know, open wide. And then she's just shoving this raw carrot into his mouth. And he's got this look on his face like, why a raw carrot? Oh, I used to have pet bunnies. That's what you reminded me of. It was pretty great. Yeah. So she then the hypnosis starts to wear off. So she tries again, but she ends up hypnotizing herself. And so they're just kind of in each other's arms. Not really able to do anything, which is pretty funny. Yeah, there's also Ogata's sitting with her head in Yugi's lap, and then he goes back into her lap, and they kind of we cut to a scene with the, both of them back to back with their faces red and steam coming off of their heads because of the stuff that they've been doing, and they're like, "We will never speak of this to anyone." And it ends on kind of a touching moment. Like I said, it feels like this series is heading for a climax, and they didn't want to lose this momentum. So it ends with Ogata telling Yugi to like worry about his dreams and to really think about what he wants to do because he admits he's thinking about maybe not taking the scholarship. And so she tells him that whatever he wants to do, he needs to really think about it and not give up on his dream just because he's afraid it would inconvenience people. Yeah, she says the most important person is you. It sounds super selfish, but you do need to care about yourself if you constantly care for others nothing will ever happen to you. Yeah, especially at that stage in your life when you're trying to figure out what you want to do. Yeah. Going with the default isn't a good idea. Yeah, so really good chapter. I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, so next we have The Promised Neverland, Chapter 116, Breaking into the Cage, Part 1, which is actually also pretty good. It's mostly what you'd expect. It's just them kind of figuring out who the team that's going to break into the farm is going to be after they decided to do that last week. Yep. And so it's Emma and Ray because, of course, they're the main characters. Hayato, who's one of the guys they just rescued. And then Anna, who's not a character I'm familiar with at all, but she apparently was studying medicine while they were gone. I think she was just one of the kids that used to be part of Goldie Pond. So at first, they were going to take this kid, Zach, who's very combat capable and also apparently knows a bit of field medicine. And then... Anna explains, no, it should be me. It shouldn't be Zach, because if you guys get ambushed, you're going to need Zach here. And everyone else points out that Anna had really been studying medicine. So even though Zach might know, all right, if they have these things, I'll grab them. He's not going to know, well, what if they don't have those? What if they're missing antibiotics? What do I grab instead? Versus Anna would know those things. Yeah, so they end up heading to the farm. Hayato explains that it's just a mass production farm, so there aren't actually many demons there. There's just a bunch of security cameras, but they have audio as well, so they have to be quiet and just avoid the cameras. But we then actually cut to this great shot of these two demon security guards watching a bank of monitors being like, oh, our job is so boring, yep. which I actually found hilarious. That was pretty great. And then they explain that because of all the recent thefts, they've had to increase their patrols. And that's when we see a demon walk around the corner and find ray basically yes sorry i forget exact i had forgotten who exactly he found so ray and hayato jump to fight him and they tell anna and emma to just go get the medicine and run basically and hayato's like i can't just let ray die because he saved my life yep and that's pretty much the note it ends on which again it's pretty good the shot of the demon security guards really elevates the chapter in my mind that was really good because they're exactly like, you. how do you expect human security guards? There's two dudes sitting in the front of this bank of screens just with these kind of downcast shoulders. They're just kind of like slumped in their chairs like, yep, I'm just sitting here stuck looking at these screens all day. The other one's like, boring's good. It means we don't have to do anything. Yep. 
So yeah, actually a pretty good chapter. So now I can be down on the rest of everything we read after we got through the two good ones. Because next we have Neolation Process 2, Child's Play. I think I was calling it Neolition last week. It's definitely Neolation. I have no idea. 100% that is Neolation. I'm certain. Okay. Uh, so did you think this series improved this week, Kevin? No. No, me neither. It's almost the same thing, other than the big dramatic setup for Diego, which just means it has less emotional payoff. Yeah. Basically, they have blackmailed the two Yakuza guys from last week into letting them use an office because they were let out of jail after they was discovered they weren't terrorists, but they still like got all the evidence on them. Yeah, they were still Yakuza dudes, so... So they're starting to clean things up. Diego goes to get cleaning supplies and is kidnapped by more Yakuza dudes. Yeah. So Neo hacks their printer to light it on fire, just like he did with the phone last week. Yep, only on a bigger scale. And he calls the fire department so they'll show up and be like, hey, this kid was kidnapped. Yep. And arrest the dudes. It's just the... It's a kind of a smart plan, but it's more hacking wizardry that's pretty eh. It's not really my thing. And the one-upsmanship isn't that good. It's definitely stuff I've seen before and mu- done much better. Yeah, so the Yakuza guy that's like in charge of the operation has an old burner phone that doesn't even have a GPS, so he can't be tracked. But then one is like, oh, well, I can actually triangulate your position by calling you a couple of times and then bouncing your frequency off the radio towers to get a rough estimate of where you are because they didn't re- listen to serial i guess and find out that's extremely shaky yeah i thought it was at least you know somewhat interesting that he actually explained what he was doing rather than like oh i just use the radio towers to find you through more of my techno wizardry yeah but it's still like the fantasy doesn't do anything for me and i don't particularly like either of these characters no I also don't really like, at least with the smartphone exploding, he like mentioned, hey, you remember that time all those smartphones were exploding because that literally happened? And he's like, see, I can make that happen on purpose. Printers do not catch fire. You you cannot turn the toner up enough to catch the page on fire. Yeah, it's... And even if it did, it would just fall right next to the printer. It's like somehow got it shooting out at high enough velocity to cover the room in fire and and it's also kind of the same thing as last week yeah so yeah it didn't really do anything for me no not not for me either if we do start voting on things that we don't want to do when we're cutting down from the 25 titles to a much more manageable number this is really high on the list yeah which is why I'm kind of sad the magazine is not going anymore, because I kind of would have liked something to force us to read some that we're not super into, because you never know when something's going to turn around. But Well, and I don't want to say that we cut everything that we don't like. Just if we're getting to a more manageable number, say 14 chapters every week, so 12 weekly titles and two, two, monthly. two monthly titles every week, we'll still have some ones that we're not huge fans of that might turn around versus when it was the weekly thing, I feel like if this was going to a weekly publication, Neolation wouldn't make it into Jump. I hope not, because I'm not super into it. None of the other Jump series, like the Jumpstart things, have actually made it into Jump itself, so this is almost a better way to get those marketed. Yeah, and I would have been really sad if Chainsaw Man hadn't made it. So, And it could have, because we lost... 
both World Trigger, World Trigger, and Hunter Hunter. Hunter. Yeah. So, but that would be two spots, and Neolation could have taken up one by that logic. Yeah, but World Trigger kind of got not shoehorned in, but it had been shoehorned in because it had been a jump title that then came back. So I, I feel like the big loss was Hunter Hunter, and Chainsaw Man could have taken that over possibly. That- I, I would have liked that, but we'll never know. Yep. Uh, so next we have another reliable one, Food Wars Chapter 292, The Haves and the Have-Nots. So what did you think of this chapter, Kevin? I liked it showing Sukasa, Aldini, and Todoroki getting their dishes kind of started. I was a little sad we didn't get as much presentation as I was expecting. Like, I don't even think we saw Aldini's dish at all. We did not. And yeah. we don't even see Soma trying, and that really disappointed me, actually. So did I. I was expecting the chapter to end, like, two pages before it actually did, with Soma getting that smirk, and then him impressing the judges. Yeah. So, it's kind of an inversion in that we see all his friends doing stuff, but we don't see what he does, which is kind of nice. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see what he did in a flashback coming up. It's but- totally possible, because he's currently in... At the end of the chapter, he gets into a shogugeki with the sergeant of arms or something like that. The, they call, just call her Sarge, the, the girl lady with the, with the chainsaw. Yep. And they're like in a one-on-one cooking match, which is pretty cool. That's how Food Wars works. Yeah, Most, I know. Yeah, it, this will be your first actual shogugeki. Yeah, I just wanted to explain that. I figured it out from context, but the audience, if they're not familiar with Food Wars, yeah, might not have. And we see that the Sarge is actually a little distraught over having to fight Soma. Yeah. So clearly he really impressed her with whatever dish he made, whatever meat dish he made. And it is cool to see some of the, air quotes, regular chefs fighting back. I don't know if we're just down to the named characters now. It kind of feels that way to me. It felt that way. They didn't mention who all made it through. But Tsukasa, Aldini, and Todoroki were the only ones who even started to make a dish. In fact, at one point, Sarge is like, are any of you guys even going to try? If not, just leave. And the girl whose name, I'm sorry, I'm not sure. It, hers, We see the judge being impressed by her, what she's doing. Yeah. So she, she almost certainly made it. Yeah. Same with Sukasa and probably Aldini. I'm expecting Aldini to have made it because we have the old principal of Totsuki. He's the old guy with like the that kind Soma's of dad was talking hair. to. That Soma's dad was talking to. He's Irina's father. And he's explaining Tsukasa learned sword play to help grate things better. Because he has a giant grater that looks like a katana, which is pretty cool. It looks more like a broadsword. They always paint him as like a knight. So like a French knight or a British knight, like dude in shining armor with a broadsword. Because it's a straight blade, not curved. That's true. But it, it's more like a longsword, I guess I would say. Because yeah. Because it's not it's thick. not It's not super thick, yeah. He grates his meat with these like long smooth strokes like sword thrusts and then they talk about that Todoroki has been focusing on presentation because she did a bunch of traveling and so she found that the best way to make like a Japanese dish that will appeal to Americans is to Americanize the presentation she doesn't specifically say that but the presentation of the dish can make you understand how it's supposed to taste to you versus if you gave somebody an American dish or an Italian dish in a different country, they might not immediately understand how the dish is supposed to work. So the presentation is a huge thing. So she cuts her roast into this like rose flower petal that looks amazing. 
and it looks like a blooming onion, only really good, and it's meat. Yeah. And then we see Aldini pulls out the Mezzaluna, which is the half moon blade. That's a, a huge thing with him if you ever get caught up in food wars. But the Totsky's old principal, I forget his name, is talking about he got his confidence back after suffering a major loss. And so he spent a lot more time perfecting the Mezzaluna. So he clearly used the half moon blade to make some kind of dish. Just we didn't even get to see what it was. So I really like the start of this chapter, but the end of it just really like took the momentum out of it for me. And yeah. I came away from it pretty disappointed. It's probably my least favorite chapter of Food Wars we've read so far. Same here, because like I said, I think if it had ended right with Soma starting to do the challenge and then they had a chapter explaining what he did for the challenge, what the other like, we don't actually know what Tsukasa did for the challenge. He just grated meat like we saw him grating meat and that was it. We didn't see the finished product. We saw Todoroki's finished product, but nobody judged it, and we didn't even see Albini's dish at all. So I figured what was going to happen was it was going to end there with him being like, well, I guess if you're going to call it your freakish powers or something like that, he's like, well, I guess you could call it a freakish power. I thought the chapter was going to end there, but then it went on a couple more pages and just glossed over how they got through the third gate, which was a little disappointing. Yeah. But I am looking forward to the next chapter because one-on-one food fights seem great. I think that's where it's going to pick up. Essentially, he yada yada them through the initial challenges and really is going to focus on these one-on-one food fights. I hope so. It also wouldn't surprise me if we see a flashback to what they did in these. Totally possible. He also could just be struggling a little bit to come up with food dishes to prepare, like, Food Wars has been going on for almost 300 chapters now. There's been a lot of food battles. Eventually, you start running out of dishes, like really inventive ways of doing these dishes. So maybe he's just kind of skipping over how they're getting past some of this stuff to focus on the really big ones. Could be. You know, it's the hero defeats all the mooks without you even seeing him do anything. Like, we don't need to see him fighting the mooks. We need to see him fighting the main villains. Yeah. So that brings us to a chapter that I have almost the opposite feelings on, which is Dr. Stone, Z equals 86, Senko's department store. Did this do anything for you, Kevin, or have you completely given up on Dr. Stone? I haven't completely given up. It didn't go positive either. So I gotcha. it stayed at my, I'm still apprehensive. It didn't go down. Like this chapter didn't make me go, now I definitely don't ever want to read this again. But it also didn't make me go, all right, well, I think this is a turning point and maybe it'll start going up from here. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's treading water, but I really like the second half of this chapter. So the first half is basically Senku explaining, hey, we're going to make air balloons, but for that we need cloth. So we have to make cloth. I do say I really did love all the villagers being like, oh, this is going to be some super complicated process, more complicated than any of the other ones we've had before. And then the process is like, get fiber, make cloth, hot air balloon. It's like a three-step. And he's got this... the half of a page devoted to this panel of these three tiny little figures about what his plan to hot air balloons is and he even mentions like the hot air balloon is probably the easiest method of flight to make ever yeah so the first half is basically i don't know her name but the head of the arts and crafts department i can't remember her name either she's she's the girl taiji was about to confess to right when everyone got turned to stone so and now she and him are kind of together that's why the two of them got sent off to infiltrate 
Sukasa? No. No. Maybe. No, I think it is Sukasa. Why are there so many characters named Sukasa in manga and anime? Well, maybe his is Subasa. I, I think there's one Subasa and one Sukasa. So maybe <laughs> this is Subasa. We need to be better at names. That should be our New Year's resolution. Be better at names. It would help if we wrote them down. I frequently do, but then I think I have them and I don't. Yeah. I Maybe I should just make a cheat sheet and just keep it down here. That actually isn't a horrible idea. Kind of go to the Wikipedia page and just like, this person is this name. Yeah. So the second half, though, is they, they make a loom, and so they make a bunch of cloth, but only some of it is thick enough to actually use for a hot air balloon. So they decide with the stuff they can't use, they're going to make clothing and sell it. And again, the arts and crafts girl gets really excited about this. She's like, oh, I always want to design stuff. Let me, let me. And yep. we get this like fashion montage of a bunch of characters wearing all this high fashion she made. Yeah, that was pretty good. That's really what did this chapter for me. Like, all right. Yeah, this was worth it just for this. Fashion montages are great. And it's all this like co-chair type stuff that she's made with this crappy cloth. And all the people wearing it are like, you're selling it for so much. Yep. But then the captain, who whose name I should also write down, comes by. He's like, oh, yep, I'll buy all this. Maybe I'm playing right into your hands. But to be a fancy man, I need fancy clothes. Yep. And I thought that was actually really funny. Yeah. There were definitely a lot of really good jokes in this one. So maybe it is going to start looking up as long as it stays this funny. But the last two chapters haven't been. So yeah, some good jokes doesn't necessarily make up for the fact that i'm not entirely happy where the plot's going and i'm kind of in the same boat with you i think i'm just more willing to give it a bit of a chance give it more benefit of the doubt yeah and this one was at least funny so yeah it gets a bunch of points for that i also really liked initially the arts and crafts girl was like explaining a very basic loom like a hand loom and oh yeah there's this joke thank shows up with this giant like wanted style loom and he's just like oh sorry it's not electrical powered but it's well, the best they, I could do on short notice, and it's so much better than what she was imagining. Yeah, she's she's stunned speechless, and he's like, oh, you probably wanted an electric one, right? And she's like, no, this is perfect. It's one of those, like, foot pedal cranked ones that they used to use, because she was expecting a hand loom that was going to take even longer. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Which brings us to Black Clover, page 186, The Eyes in the Mirror, which is not particularly funny. No. We kind of do that flashback thing. I was actually kind of expecting Black Clover to do this, so I didn't bring it up last week, where we then flash back to right when everyone got sucked into the dream and we see what everyone outside was doing Yeah, during that time. So the elves have this mage who can, like, if she looks into your eye, you get paralyzed and you can't cast magic either. Yep. And they have this mirror person as well who's just reflecting her eyes into everybody. Yeah, he can communicate through mirrors and send a light beam through all of his bouncing mirrors. We've seen it before. He's one of the Black Bulls. That's why they're so gung-ho to get him back. He's one of the Black Bulls, and that little girl is actually his sister that he's super obsessed with. Yes, they kind of go over that in this one. I pretty much got the gist of it, Yeah, and they find it really creepy, but... Because he is creepily obsessed with her. You gotta remember the ABCDs of a harem anime. Uh, awareness, balance, clenched fist, and don't f*** your sister. Aramanga Sensei does not pay attention to that at all. <laughs> so basically, uh, the Black Bulls all get paralyzed, but because Asta has Asta Asta Asta, I know, Asta has the anti magic sword, he's able to break free, and so are the two guys next to him, who I don't really know anything about. I assume they're Black Bulls. They are Black Bulls. So one of them says, "Hey, is that Lick's demon destroyer sword? You should die and give that back." Did we know that belonged to Lick before, or is that new information? That we did know that before, but I. 
somebody else has mentioned that Asta has the same grimoire that Licked used to have. Okay. Back in the day, and they're like, how can some lowly human have Lick's grimoire? Because okay. right now he has the one of the body he's currently inhabiting. So he's got a completely different set of spells than he used to. Gotcha. Okay, I was just wondering, because that was new information to me. Yep. And so it basically ends on the note of the Black Bull saying, hey, we're going to get him back, because even though he's really annoying, we want to say that to his face. Yeah, that's a lot of their camaraderie is very weird like that. Yeah, it's very shunning. It's very Yu Yu Hakusho. Yep. I can dig it. This is actually probably my favorite chapter of Black Clover I've read so far. Yeah. Uh, maybe the Noel stuff was a little better, but it's back on that level where I can like it a little more. Uh, there's a little bit of the art that I don't like, but for the most part, it's a lot more straightforward. I'm really hoping Asta fights are going to do more for me since he doesn't have like the super fancy magic. No, the fanciest thing he'll do is like uh, basically enhance sword slash. Or I feel like maybe some Dragon Ball Z disappearing stuff, but yeah. But again, he doesn't have any magic whatsoever, so he can't do anything super flashy, which is one of his benefits. And I liked this chapter of Black Clover a bit more because we got a bit more of the camaraderie between the Black Bulls, which is nice, as opposed to them just kind of being there in singular form. Yeah, again, I don't really know what's going on, but I can sense the general shonen tropes, Yeah, and that at least does a little bit for me. So that brings us to the final chapter for this week, Chainsaw Man Chapter 3, Arrival in Tokyo. What did you think of this chapter? I really liked this chapter. So do I. Chainsaw Man's going a direction I kind of... Not, well, I don't want to say I was hoping it wouldn't, because that's the wrong way to say it, but it's not going where I kind of hoped, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. So this chapter, we are introduced to a new character whose name I think is Aki Haiwakawa. That I wrote sounds... it down, and I don't not sure on the pronunciation. That sounds right. Anyway, his character design is rad. Yeah, he's a guy in a like full suit with a tie with a katana on his back, and it's a very good look. Yep, he's also got a very interesting hairstyle. I don't really know how to describe it. You just go look at it. You say interesting, that makes it sound more anime than it is. It looks like you could have this hair. It's not like Yugi's hairstyle, or even like Goku hairstyle. No. It does have a weird lick that would take some styling to actually do, but it's totally within the realm of possibility to have one of these. He looks really good. There's a bit later where he lights a cigarette, and he really reminded me of Wolfwood from Trigun. Yeah. But it's a very good character design, and that therefore I like this guy immediately. But anyway, uh, the girl whose name I really should have written down, because I don't know it off the top of my head, basically was like, Masaki? hey. I think it is Masaki. I believe Something right. like that. She's like, hey, you're going to go with him for a while. Uh, you're going to be partners for a bit. He's three years your senior, so he'll be able to help you out. But I'm too busy to babysit you all the time. Yep. So they go on. Denji's just like, oh, do you know she has a boyfriend? And Akihawakawa beats him up and is like, hey, if you want to be a demon hunter for shallow reasons, you should just quit. I'm being nice here, kid. Yep. He writes a cigarette and Denji gets up and goes, hey, you really are nice. I always fight men by kicking them in the balls immediately. Which, Which he, he does. He doesn't just say, I always fight men by kicking him in the balls. He says, when I'm fighting men, I only aim for the balls. I actually wrote down the quote. It's, when I fight guys, I only aim for the crotch. And was like, seriously? <laughs> it's like, he crumples down. Well, he kicks him a second time. So he kicks him the first time from, like, behind. They get into more of a bit of a, he punches Denji back, and then Denji kicks him in the balls again. And he's like, this is when he crumples down. Is like, seriously, you really only aim for the balls? Yeah, so then we kind of smash cut to them going back to base, and then she's like, hey, he got in a fight with a testicle demon. 
And he's like, no, I did not. He is lying. Which is, again, very good. Yes. So it gets decided that Denji's going to be part of his squad because it's apparently an experimental squad with lots of weird things. And she tells Aki Hawakawa that like he's part devil and he can transform into a devil. And basically, they're going to kill him unless he does what they want. Yeah, if he ever disobeys a direct order or runs away, he will be immediately killed as a devil. Yeah. But he's going to be roommates with Aki Hawakawa, which seems like it sucks for him, but it's good for us because I really like this character design. Yep. I'm hoping for some more really cool character designs in the typical shonen crazy experimental squad of a bunch of like rejects smashed together that's going to end up working flawlessly. Yeah, I hope so too because Denji, I don't dislike his character design, but it's very Ichigo. And yeah. Again, the girl whose name I can't remember, she doesn't do a lot for me either. It's not bad. She's very plain, and I think she's supposed to be very plain. Yeah, but this one just really, really stood out to me. Like, there's nothing special about him. It's just a really solid design. Yep. He actually kind of reminds me of one of the dudes from Hunter Hunter, who at one point, he's like a guy, typical the, Japanese businessman. In the glasses. guy in the Chimera Ant arc? Yes. Okay. I just got there, like last night in the anime. Yeah, but that that guy who's he's like, oh yeah, I'm just in this typical Japanese businessman suit, and then I just have this katana over my back, or like Sir Night Eye from, yeah, My Hero Academia. There's a dude from Mob Psycho, who one of the evil psychics uses. He can turn his toy katana into essentially like a super powered version of a real katana, and he's got that same look where it's the Japanese businessman with a sword. Suit just, and katana is a good look. It is. If a you good can look. pull it off. Yeah. All right, so that is everything we read this week. We actually went through that pretty fast, so maybe 15 chapters is doable, although it was only eight this week. Yeah, I'm thinking probably around 14 will be not super long, but not ridiculously short either. So like 12 weekly and two monthly every week? Yeah, I'm thinking that'll be a good spot to shoot for. That's I think a the, good goal, I think. I think the largest shonen we've ever read has been 13 i want to say let's do all of january let's read everything okay and then we'll pare down after that depending on how we feel how does that sound to you yeah that sounds fine all right so that brings us into jump card Jump card is the segment where we rank all the chapters we read this week from best to worst, like it was old Shonen Jump, and we were doing a poll. So, Kevin, what do you have it down at the bottom at number eight? Ruby. Hey, same with me. It's not very good. No. I really don't get who it's for. It's not for you, Kevin. Nope. Certainly not for me. Nope. Maybe it's for people who haven't seen Ruby, which seems weird. If you haven't seen Ruby and you're reading this, like email us or send us a comment or something. And yeah. Tell us what you think. I can't imagine that person either, to be honest with you, especially now that it's not in a magazine. Like you would have to seek this out. Yeah. Well, and Ruby's actually really big over in Japan. Yeah. Maybe in Japan you can't just watch the episodes whenever you want. I don't think that's the case. I mean, I don't know. But like, that's the only thing I can imagine is if in Japan it's only on air at certain times. 
this is a way to own it? Possibly, but they've done a lot of cross-promotional work, so I can't imagine that Ruby is not free over there, or at least not very easily accessible. So maybe? I I have no idea. I just don't know. Yeah, it just makes me... Who this is for. It makes me sad because I'm watching the current season of Ruby and really liking it, and this is not that. So what do you got at number seven, Kevin? I think we have the same number seven as well. Neolation. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yep. I like Neolation slightly more because even though I find the trope bad. At, at least, least this is new content. It's new content. The artwork is executed better. Much better, yes. It's not my favorite artwork ever, but it's at least executed better. And because it doesn't have that, well, it's just a rehash kind of thing. It's like, it's not a clip episode. Yeah. It's not my favorite either, but it I found it much better than Ruby. Yeah. Like, if this was on a scale from 1 to 10, it would be, Ruby would be like a 2, and this would be like a 4. So what do you get at number 6? So I actually have Black Clover down at number 6. Even though I did like this one a lot better than some of the past chapters of Black Clover, there just wasn't that much to it. I don't know. I just, this one didn't really stick with me. It's, I still liked Black Clover, so it's not like the, oh, I just I didn't like this one. It just wasn't a super strong chapter, so it kind of just went down. Uh, for similar reasons, my number six is Food Wars. I just really didn't like that second half. It's not even the second half. It's like the last two pages. It felt like we were skipping a lot, and I was excited to see all these kind of side characters get to do their thing. But Same. after we spent two chapters at that gate just on the Noir, I was expecting at least as much for... Soma and his friends, so. Yeah, like I said, I expected the chapter and two pages earlier, and then the next chapter to go over what they did for their dishes. And to be fair, we've had two cycles of that already, so I can understand. I totally understand why. But it just, it felt really awkward. I honestly would have liked if they had cut the chapter two pages early, and then even if they started the next chapter with everyone made it through. Yeah that wouldn't have been as awkward the as... The pacing would have felt better. Yeah. Because if it if they skip over the course of a week, it doesn't feel as awkward as, well, I flipped the page and suddenly you skipped this challenge. You know, like a, a minor time skip like that that they might flash back to during their challenges of like, this is what I did to defeat that challenge to prove I'm better than this noir. That would be pretty cool. But since they didn't do it that way, it just, it kind of went down. All right. So... so- my number five was Dr. Stone. My the, number five was also Dr. Stone. Yeah, the jokes were a bit better in this one. It's I guess it did go a little bit up from my previous rankings of Dr. Stone, but I'm not super hopeful. I don't want it to fail. I do hope it gets better, but I'm also not holding my breath to see if it does get better. I'm in similar boat to you. I just I think it will, but also it just keeps treading water. But at least this week it was entertaining in the way it treaded water. Yep. So what do you have at number four? I have Food Wars at number four. Like you said, that those last two pages really threw me off, but I really liked getting a showcase of the characters that I haven't seen in a while, Todoroki or Aldini actually doing something, even though Aldini didn't actually do anything. He just pulled out his knife and that was it. Seeing Soma's dad talk about, if you hadn't asked me to send Soma to Totsuki, I wouldn't have, and he would have spent his entire life never meeting these people. Yeah. I thought was really interesting. 
Yeah, I can definitely see that. My number four is Black Clover. Because, again, I at least got the outline of the Shonen vibes. And like I said, I didn't really like many of the chapters we got this week. I wouldn't even say I particularly like Black Clover. Everything above it I really liked, though. Yeah. Um, but I just, Food Wars really disappointed me. And Black Clover was kind of a pleasant surprise. Even though you. it wasn't my favorite chapter of that uh, ever. But All right. what do you got at number three? Uh, in between my number three and my number four, I have My Hero. This is... A bit more of another setup chapter. There's some cool stuff going on. Not one of my favorite chapters of My Hero. There's actually a really good cliffhanger that I'm really excited about, but not super great. I was just a little confused by it, and it was pointing back to something that part of it is it's been a couple of chapters since they were talking about this thing that they were talking about. So it kind of it had fallen back in my mind, and especially since reading all of these manga for the podcast, stuff kind of... It, not, it doesn't blend together, but I tend to lose details like that because I'm reading all of these manga. I'm listening to an audiobook. I'm reading two different book series at the same time and watching a bunch of TV shows. So there's a lot of stories going on in my head, and sometimes I forget details that they're pointing back to. Uh, now that all that Here I Hear Academia is available in the Shonen Vault I'm buying, I'm definitely going to catch up on it. So we'll probably be talking about My Hero Academia regularly Maybe in the next month, maybe a little later. Depends on how long it takes me to catch up. It's about 100 chapters behind that I am, so might take a little while. I think you're going to like the ride. The next arc is really cool. Yeah, I'm really enjoying the current arc that I'm on, so I think so. Yeah, like the... I really like Sun Eater. Yeah, that, that current arc that you're on is really great. Anyway, my number three was The Promised Neverland. The bit with the demons in the security checkpoint was really cool. And I just, I like this one a lot better, or not a lot better than some of the other stuff. Like you said, not the best chapters to start all of this new stuff with. I don't think any of them were, besides Ruby and Neolation, I don't think any of them were particularly bad. They just weren't the best of form, but that's not the manga artist's fault. Like, sometimes you have to have lows, and it just so happened that a lot of these lows coincided with this change in the format that format. we're getting yeah uh, my number three thing. was also promised neverland which i did like but it's kind of what it had to be choosing the team and going yeah we were expecting that so that what i wasn't expecting was for promised neverland to be my number three at the end of the day it's the second thing i read so yeah obviously it's gonna go up there pretty high by default but then nothing was better than it so it, that was what surprised me about it It was still a pretty decent chapter yep uh so my number two was we never learn I thought this was a really neat chapter. I like the bit between Ogata and Yugia getting hypnotized together and Ogata really trying to get Yugia to open up to her about what he wants and how he wants to be treated. My number two is also ne We Never Learn. Our lists are so close, Kevin. There's just one flip on it. Yep. I, I really liked it, too. It just... It didn't have the emotional impact that some recent chapters have had. And maybe Ogata is my least favorite girl in this series. Nothing wrong with her. She just hasn't really captured my attention the way the others have. I gotcha. Maybe because she's more reserved. Yeah. In some ways, this chapter seemed written just for me. It had a, I love the like laying your head on their lap trope a lot. The hypnosis thing was also pretty good. But at the same time, there wasn't anything special about it. And We Never Learn is usually pretty special. So it only gets number two because of that. Yeah, and so that means our number one was Chainsaw Man. Uh, 
mostly on Aki Himokawa's design, honestly, but also the I only kick guys in the crotch joke. That really good. That was really good. And like the follow up, a testicle demon attacked him. No, it did not. He is lying. Yeah, I thought that was great, especially because the fact that a testicle demon attacked him sounds like it could work (laughs) in that setting. Yeah. Like that's not a totally bald faced lie. Well, I guess it is. But but also the face expression sell it as a bald faced lie. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah, it was just a really good chapter. So I'm excited to see where Chainsaw Man goes. I'm excited to see some of these other titles that we haven't been reading, how those are going. Like, I know uh, Haikyuu is supposed to be really good. I've seen some funny stuff about people. I think I was watching a ProZD video about me before watching sports anime. He's like, I don't care about volleyball at all. And then it's him after watching Haikyuu and him just, like, talking about... (laughs) oh, there's got to be all this teamwork. And he's like almost crying about it. I really want to read Slam Dunk for similar reasons. That's not currently running. It's an old series. But I don't care about basketball or sports manga at all. But I really want to try Slam Dunk. Yeah. And see if it gets me. I've seen bits and pieces of Prince of Tennis. And that one also, like every now and again, I see the sports anime. And I'm like, it's not surprising that I like it. I used to play sports all the time as a kid. But it's surprising how interesting they make I'm playing a game of basketball or I'm playing tennis scene. Yeah. I mean, it's basically the same thing as wrestling, right? Yeah. It's just storytelling. It's just staged matches to amplify the story of the sports instead of the competition of the sports. Yeah. So, yeah, but that does it for this week. Stay tuned after the break and we'll talk about the very, very popular Attack on Titan. All right, we're back, and we read Attack on Titan Volume 1. I might be the last person on Earth to read slash watch this, but I am pretty unfamiliar with Attack on Titan. I've played the Attack on Titan board game, and I've watched news stories. I've watched, I guess, read news stories about Spider-Man crossing over with Attack on Titan. Yep. And that's about it. What about you, Kevin? I saw all of Season 1, most... I think all of season two, and then I kind of dropped off for season three. So I first got introduced to Attack on Titan through the anime. And this will be the first time that I have read Attack on Titan. Gotcha. So what did you think of the manga? Is it particularly different? Yes. Oh, okay. That's kind of a surprise. Yeah, very much so. There's a ton of character building that does not happen in this that I think was really useful. So I'm wondering if there are flashbacks in the manga... And that's why the anime is doing it the way it is, or did it the way it is. But honestly, like the way the anime handled the story. That's surprising to me, because I know a bunch of people I know who like Attack on Titan are kind of down on Eren. But I thought, kind of thought he had a lot of character development and stuff in here. Oh yeah, Eren does, totally. But no one else does. That, gotcha. That's the problem. So I'm not saying that Eren didn't have any character development. I mean, no one else does. Like, at one point, they're like, Thomas, no! And... You were probably thinking, who's, which one's who's Thomas? Thomas? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because even I was thinking that I was like, wait, which one's Thomas? Because I'm used to seeing it in color, and that colored my perception a lot. I feel like the Titans look scarier in color. I feel like the anime spent a lot more time 
focusing on a lot of the characters, so you got a lot more deep character development, and it made you care more about the humans. Obviously, Eren, Mikasa, and actually really just the two of them are the only ones that really got... I feel like Armin gets a fair bit. He gets a bit, but not as much as he does in... The anime? No. You see a lot more reason as to why he decides to go into the Survey Corps in the anime, whereas this one, it comes even as a shock to Eren. And if I hadn't seen the anime, it kind of felt like a shock as well. Like, we don't see a lot of the camaraderie of Eren and the rest of the recruits. And there's a ton of it later on. So that's why I'm expecting they either flashed back to do that stuff, or the anime did a superb job of filling that stuff in. Gotcha. And the anime does need to fill more time. So it's totally possible that that doesn't even happen later. Because I believe Attack on Titan is published monthly, right? I think so. So you need to be kind of a brisk pace for that. It had been going for a while when it got picked up, I think. Yeah, but a monthly book, I'm saying, doesn't have as much time to flesh out those details. Yeah. All right, so if you haven't read Attack on Titan, it's about the last remnants of humanity after these giant people, basically called Titans, start eating human beings. The last of them live in this giant walled city, sink Minas Tirith only with walls that are 50 meters high, so about 120 feet. I think it was 165. My number in my head for some reason is 124, but you might be right. It might have been 124 as well, because it's going to be about three feet per. Yeah, a meter is more than uh, a little bit more than a yard. So I think it's 165 feet roughly. Okay. The author's note says that 50 yeah. meters, 165 feet. There is a translator's note that tells you, but yeah. I can't remember because I did not write it down. So Aaron is the son of the doctor in town. So he's kind of well liked because the doctor is helping everybody out. Yeah, we get a backstory a bit into the chapter of one of the guys, his family was dying of like a plague, and his Dr. Jaeger showed up and helped him out, so he feels really indebted to Aaron and his father because he had come out to save them. So Aaron wants to join the Survey Corps, which is the branch of the military that goes out on expeditions, but also most of them just die. The first chapter mostly revolves around a group coming back, that has been mostly wiped out. Yeah, I think it was like 100 guys went out and less than 20 came back and they accomplished nothing. Yeah, so people are basically telling him he's crazy. And his sister, it seems by adoption, Mikasa, yep. tells his parents what he wants. And he's like, hey, you said you'd keep that a secret. And she's like, no, I didn't. Yep. And his mother freaks out, obviously, because she doesn't want him going into danger. But his dad kind of is like, I'm glad that you've got resolve almost, and is like, I'm going to show you what's in the basement that I've been keeping away all this time, and he pulls out a key that's on his neck. But he says, I'm going to show you when I get back. I have to go do doctor things. Yeah, he's got to go to a different town to go help out. But before his father can get back, a giant titan that's taller than the wall shows up, and we see most of them are about a third of the height of the wall. Is that right? Yeah, they mentioned that most titans aren't more than 15 meters tall, and this one's 55, probably. Eh, 52. Its head pokes over. Yeah, but the entirety of its head reaches over the wall. It can get its hands on top of the wall. So it blasts a hole in the wall. It punches a hole in the wall, I guess it I should say. kicks a hole in the wall. It does it at ground level. It kicks a hole in the wall right in the gate. Yeah, so that the Titans basically can walk in. Yep. And the town is overrun by them. Yep. 
in the initial attack, like some debris hits Aaron's house. Yeah, and his mother is trapped under a roof beam. So Aaron and Mikasa are trying to pull her out, and she's trying to get them to run away because she's like, it crushed my legs. Even if you pull me out from under all this rubble, I can't run away from the Titans. So the guy who thinks he owes his life to Aaron and his dad comes around. He is part of the security force, the wall guardians. And Aaron basically makes fun of them because they don't really fight because they don't have to. Yeah, they're drunk. They've been living in a period of 100 years of peace. And so everyone else is like, why would you want to go out and die with the survey corps? We've been peaceful for so long. And Aaron is like, yeah, but if we get too complacent, we're going to lose. And of course, he's immediately proven right when the Titans attack. But anyway, this guy was uh, getting drunk with a bunch of the other guards that same day. Like Aaron was making fun of him for it. Like, you guys are just drunk. Aren't you supposed to be guarding the gate? So a Titan shows up and Aaron's like, hey, like, help me get my mom back. But the guard is too scared. So he grabs Aaron and Mikasa and runs away with them. He does at first almost. He has an anime moment where he stares them down. Yeah, he's got, I can save all three of them. I can repay my debt to his father. And then he sees the Titan and he immediately goes, I should probably do the smart decision and just save the two kids. And so he listens to Aaron's mom has been yelling at him, just take the kids and run. And so he does, and she thanks him for that as a Titan picks up and eats her. Yeah. His name is Mr. Haynes, by the way. I did write it down. Yep. They get to basically an inner gate. Again, think Minas Tirith. It's a gated city. Yeah, so the way the city is set up is there's three rings. They eventually just show you a map of it. There's three rings, and they're on the outermost ring. And they found that, again, this is one of like the translator's notes that even the anime would put into the commercial breaks right before and right after they'd explain these things they have these little bulbs on the outside of the outer walls that are towns as opposed to like farmland that most of the interior is and the titans are attracted to people so rather than trying to police the entire wall where they don't have enough military personnel to do they've put everybody in these towns to act as bait yeah to act as bait so that the titans won't just attack the wall willy-nilly they'll attack the towns Yeah, this actually reminded me a lot of Parasite. We find out a lot about the Titans' behavior and how they eat people, but they don't need to eat people to survive. Well, they speculate that they don't need to eat people to survive because they ignore all other living animals beside humans. And the instructor is going over. They had been denied their food source for over 100 years, and there are still Titans around. And he's like, it's possible that they don't need to eat humans at all. They just want to. Yeah. And again, it reminded me a lot of Parasite, actually, yeah. in that regard. So we flash forward basically a year. Aaron and Mikasa have gone through... It's five years. I thought it was one year. No, it's five years. Because I think the one guy's like, the that tragedy happened five years ago. Okay. So Aaron and Mikasa go through basic training, basically. They are both in the top ten graduating in their class. Mikasa is number one because she's a badass, I guess? Yeah. We see that with... At one point, Aaron is saving Armin, who we haven't talked about at all. Armin is another one of Aaron's friends. And he also made top 10. Yep. He's more of the intellectual type. His dad gave him a picture book of the outside world, and he wants to go explore it, and Aaron kind of shares his dream. But there are a bunch of these kids picking on Armin, and Aaron shows up, and they're like, great, this is a perfect chance to beat up Aaron. And then they see Mikasa behind him, and they all run. So we also see... Makasa throws Aaron into a wall. So, like, clearly she is a badass. 
So the top 10 get to pick what branch of the military they enter. Everybody gets to pick what branch of the military they want to enter. Only the top 10 are allowed to apply for the military police who guard the interior, the, the innermost section, and help protect the king. So that's a very cushy excitement. It basically is going to put you to the top of society because you're going to be furthest from the Titans. You're going to be furthest from the Titans. You're going to have a bunch of prestige because you're the military police guy. You know, you were the top 10 of your graduating class. So, again, this is something that the anime does better. They really help show how much everyone works to try and make it into the top 10 to be safe. That's their thought process. Yeah, I feel like the manga does a good enough job, even if it doesn't go into as much detail. It, it I got it right away. Yeah, I, I got it too. I just, I felt like the anime did it better, is gotcha. more what I meant. So, Aaron gets in a fight with one of his other top 10 graduates because he wants to join the Survey Corps. And this guy is kind of just worked hard to get into the military police. There's actually this pretty cool panel where there's like, that guy's an idiot. Aaron graduated uh, top of his class at hand to hand combat. Oh, wait, no, Mikasa did. Well, and it's, he gets decked by Aaron, and he's like, Aaron was top of our class in hand-to-hand combat. Oh, wait, wasn't it Mikasa? Because Mikasa just picks Aaron up and is just walking away with him. Yeah, which is actually pretty good. Yeah. So Aaron tries to get Mikasa to join the military police, but she's like, I'm going to join whatever branch you do because I don't want to lose any more family. Yep. And we they have different names, so she must be adopted or something. Yeah. Like, very clearly, she has a sister-brother relationship with him. Yeah. They... She mentions that he saved her life, and so I think that was the adoption thing. I don't remember exactly. They do go more into it later. Even in the anime, they like flash back to Mikasa and Eren's childhood relationship. They do go back occasionally, so they'll probably do that in the manga, too. I expect them to. So, basically, Eren's speech and fight inspires a bunch of people to join the Survey Corps. But before they can even get assigned, the giant titan attacks again. The colossal titan. They call it the colossus titan in this translation, which I don't love. But No, in in the anime, it's the colossal titan. That is better as an adjective. Yep. So Eren attacks him, like, immediately. Yeah. But he, like, almost Dragon Ball Z style gets away in a flash. This is something that's explained way better in the anime. The Titans emit steam. So the instructor at one point was talking about how they're very hot. Yeah. They're actually so hot, they emit steam. So as Eren's coming after the Colossal Titan, he shoots this cloud of steam out. And that's when he's like, the Colossal Titan disappeared, which makes absolutely no sense. How does something 52 meters tall just vanish? But he used the cloud of steam as a smokescreen. So he made it so that Eren couldn't see where he was attacking with his swords and also kind of pushed him off trajectory because he shot this giant gout of steam out the back of his neck. That was what was happening in that panel. Gotcha. So we kind of get a flashback to them in school, and we find out how titans work, that they're giant, that even if you shoot off their head, it'll just regenerate. Yep. But they have a weak spot on the back of the neck. Yep. And we get introduced to the 3D maneuvering gear, which I think is the biggest part of the fantasy of Attack on Titan. I think it's why it really took off. Because even in the art, when they're moving around with this stuff, that's when it looks really, really good. Yeah. And it goes into heavy detail explaining how it works. Basically, it's a series of grappling hooks that let you swing around like Spider-Man. Yeah, it's a series of grappling hooks. They use a pressurized gas canister to shoot out and reel back in. And then they've also got a really big bodysuit that helps distribute your weight so that you can kind of 
they call it vertical maneuvering gear, I think, in this. But I think later the anime calls it 3D maneuvering gear because it's about moving in more than just a vertical direction. It's literally moving in three dimensions. And they mentioned that it's extremely difficult to use carrying all of your weight on like your left foot for an instant. And then you've got to distribute that as you're flying around like Spider-Man. Yeah, but it creates very nice images of these very, very maneuverable, fast, tiny targets. Oh, it's really these cool. Giant titans. And the art looks very good yeah. when it's displaying it. So the troops start to get organized because of the attack. Mikasa gets stuck in the rear guard. And the rear guard is actually the best of the best because that's where all the people are. So they're like, we need our rear guard to be the veterans and whatnot. Mikasa, you were the top of your class. You were so good. You're going to be in the rear guard. But she wants to be in the middle where she can protect Aaron. Yeah, she just wants to be where Aaron is, wherever that happens to be. So Aaron tries to attack one, but ends up getting his leg bitten off. Yeah, because he goes in too hot-headed. Armin is almost eaten by one, but Aaron dives in to save him and throws him out, but gets swallowed, and that's where the volume ends. Yep, we see Aaron's arm flying away from the closed jaws of the Titan. Yeah, which is not how I expected this to end, knowing that Aaron is the main character. But it definitely makes you want to keep reading, because you don't know, oh, is it going to be Mikasa, actually? And Armin, or is he going to somehow survive? Yeah, there's a lot of suspense in this that is done very well. So I actually really liked it. I can understand why everyone was talking about Attack on Titan about two, three years ago. Yep. And that's honestly why I didn't like it as much. Like I said, I fell off of Attack on Titan, the anime, because I kind of got tired of... It tends to do a lot of that, the... It like every episode ended on a cliffhanger, every single one. I think that's just kind of good serialized storytelling, but I don't think you're alone in falling off of it. It seems like Attack on Titan has really fallen from grace. Yeah, the first season was great, and it was like, oh, this this is really helping it push it until the point where it was like, oh yeah, is he going to be okay? Well, I mean, of course he is because he he has to be. Like eventually, I get tired of the same gag over and over again i understand also i felt the art in certain sections was very weak and in other ones looked really good so i could definitely tell there were like you said the 3d maneuvering gear always looked really cool when the titans were eating somebody their face was super detailed and then at other times they were amorphous blobs just wandering around and there were just certain panels where it was like that guy's you know he spent a lot of time on that panel he did not spend a lot of time on that panel. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple early ones where it's like, did did they put his storyboard in the book? Like, it looks like he hasn't even finished the lines yet. It's like just rough sketches of some of the characters, it felt like. I don't remember seeing anything that bad, but in general, I would agree with you. It does tend like to seem like some of the art was kind of budgeted. Yeah. And it's just it was one of the early scenes where they're in that thing where not everyone is crisp lined. They're like kind of the rough outline sketches of like where their bodies are going to be and so it looked like probably the third of a of a four stages of drawing like all right and then i'll uh you know i'll draw in some crisp lines erase these weaker ones and that's where everything's going to look and i've seen that before like in storyboards where if somebody's really good at drawing their storyboards will almost look like a full page comic just without the crispness to it and it wasn't all the time but there was there was just a couple of panels where i was like I felt like they put his storyboard in the book. Well, I really wanted to keep reading when we were done, which I think is always the mark of a good series. 
Yeah. So. And obviously, Attack on Titan doesn't need me telling you it's good. Yeah. And again, a lot of my problem with Attack on Titan is I had seen the anime. And like I said, when they're like, oh, no, Thomas, you have no idea who Thomas is. He's one of the dudes. Yeah. As from the anime, I got to know who Thomas was. I got to know at least a little bit about all these characters. And so, like, uh, Sasha, the girl who steals the meat, is Potato Girl. And Potato Girl is amazing. And if that isn't part of the canon, I feel bad for the manga. Because Potato Girl is great. Is there anything else you want to say about it, Kevin? No, like I said, I did like it. One of my problems with Attack on Titan is I'm not a huge horror fan. That's just the way I am. I, I don't like horror all that much. So... It didn't seem all that interesting to me. I honestly, I really wish this was colorized. I think the Titans look a lot creepier in color. They make them, they're not just flesh colored. There's like weird, like red and purple streaks going through their body to make them look even more inhuman rather than them kind of just looking like naked Ken dolls wandering around the town that are just gigantic. All right. So speaking of giant naked Ken dolls, I think that takes us to personality power level. What does the scouter say about his power level? Personality power level is the segment where we rank characters from the manga we've read, from the ones we like the most to the ones we like the least. I feel like Eren is a character that gets a lot of crap from fans of Attack on Titan. Maybe that's just the ones I know. But I actually did like him. That said, I don't know that I like him as much as Goku. I definitely don't. And I know more about him than you do. So you know more about him than I do. So you're going to have a lot of the... Say, I think. Do you like him more than Ichigo from Bleach? Honestly, no. I feel like he tends to get worse as the story progresses. Now, maybe he picks back up later on, but that was the feeling I got. Now, I think that was kind of part of his point, is that he's supposed to be, like, he's the definition of being frustrated with not achieving the goals that you want. So he just kind of comes off as very gruff and not whiny but he complains a lot he tends to push people too hard like no we can do it we can achieve my goals when it's almost the thing of you probably need to like step back and reevaluate your goals i'm not saying that trying to save humanity is a dumb plan but just saying i want to save humanity is a dumb plan you need to back up and take some steps all right maybe i need to figure out how the titans work Then I can figure out how to kill them more effectively. Then I can figure out how to kill all of them, not just, I want to save everybody. That that isn't a plan. Uh, So what do you think compared to Keiji Kiria from All You Need Is Kill? I'm tempted to put him above, but again, I'm going to give you the final say on that. I think he's got more personality than Keiji. I don't particularly like his personality, but he at least has more of it. So Aaron Yeager, that's his last name, right? Yeah. We'll go at number nine, above Keiji Kiriya from All You Need Is Kill and below Ichigo Kurosaki from Bleach. Yep. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. Again, we are taking next week off. Happy holidays. The week after that, we will be back in all of January. We're going to be reading stuff that we were reading in Shonen Jump. So if you want to pay Viz $1.99 in January, you can read everything along with us. Yeah, I guess you, you should clarify. We're going to be reading the first volumes of a lot of the chapters that are in Shona Jump. So the first thing we're going to start with is volume one of The Promised Neverland, because that's getting an anime adaptation very soon. Yep. And I would like to see how they compare. So join us in two weeks for that. 
I haven't decided if we're going to try to double stuff and talk about all the chapters next week and the week after, but we'll see. I don't think that will work out at all. I don't either, but I think it's going to be hard to talk about chapters without at least talking a little bit about the previous one. Yeah, we're going to be reading them, obviously, but I just don't think we should spend as much time on them. I agree. Because we're also going to be reading 25 chapters. Yeah, so it's going to be a lot. Not 25, but what? 15. 17. Because yeah. we're going to pick two of the monthly ones to read as well. I'm, I'm not sure if the monthly ones will be out by then. If they are, though, we will be. That's a good point, actually. So we might not have... But either way, two weeks from now is going to be a big episode, so we hope you look forward to that, and until then, happy holidays. You can find this episode, as well as my other two podcasts and the Person A Power Level chart at www.lastpodcast.com. You can leave comments there. If you like Ruby, please do, or if you have suggestions for manga we should read. There's also a link to our Discord, which is the easiest way to get a hold of us. Like I said, my other two podcasts are there, Last Time on Video Games. This week we played Hitman, Codename 47, as well as It's a Gundam, our episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that I think is very good. You should listen to it. If you want to help out the show, please tell a friend about us or give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars helps us a ton. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emerit. Other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions. And our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Is there anything you want to plug, Kevin? Not this week. All right. Happy holidays and have a good new year. See you in 2019. Gotta stop, don't you know, subliminal.